greetings in the Master's name. This morning, I am doing something uh, I've hardly ever done. Well, only partially. Uh, when I was uh, studying for the uh, topic at Minister Study Week on uh, sermon uh, types and topics, and uh, one, uh, one site that I ran across was Sermon Notes, and it had hundreds of outlines of, uh, of you know, sermons. And uh, I didn't, uh, it didn't really help me a lot from a topic. But what I did notice, there was about, uh, there was about 10, uh, 10 outlines for Christmas sermons. And about four or five or six of them were on Matthew uh, 1, 18 to 25. And the uh, one that I picked was uh, titled A Humble Man for a Heavenly Mission. A Humble Man for a Heavenly Mission. So let's read uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was his spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she's found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And so not uh, everything that I share was uh, necessarily in that sermon outline. I was uh, doing some thinking a little bit about the background or the backdrop to this whole thing. Uh, the uh, Jesus coming into the world and Mary and Joseph uh, and what the setting was and so on at that time. Uh, most sources uh, in talking about this uh, say according to Jewish culture at that time that uh, the, the, the marriages were arranged by the parents and that um, so Mary was pledged to Joseph and usually that happened between 12 and 16 years of age. So some think she was only 12, 13, 14. Some think she might have been closer to 16. And uh, that's just according to the cultural setting. Uh, and you have to remember this, this was a Middle Eastern setting. And so, uh, so how old she was, I, I don't know, but uh, I, would, I would lean in my thinking towards the upper end of that 12 to 16, simply from the maturity she displayed in, uh, in her response to the angel. And then in that song, the Magnificat, that uh, when she, she expressed when she went to see Elizabeth, uh, the allusions to the uh, some of the uh, that echoed the uh, the uh, dreams, the the uh, desires uh, of the Old Testament expressed in looking for the Messiah, 
So she was she was well seemed to be well uh, grounded in that type of knowledge too. And then well actually learned, going over to uh, to Luke where it tell, talks about Mary. Um, it says uh, in in verse thirty six, "Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth; she has also conceived a son." Now this is interesting too. It it says her cousin Elizabeth, but now uh, when it talks about uh, it earlier in the chapter, it talks about the birth of John the Baptist, and it says that uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth were were now well stricken in years. So the cousin thing, they were pretty far apart in age, uh, evidently. And, I, and then I got, it got me to wonder, well, how old were Zacharias and Elizabeth? Um, because Zacharias, he was serving as a priest. There were 24 orders that David had arranged, you know. And so he was serving his turn, which actually is kind of unusual. I read someplace that there were about 8,000 priests, and usually you got to do the, the inner temple service only about maybe twice in your lifetime. Um, but, of course, God was in charge and had all this arranged but but then you go back to leviticus numbers a couple of places it's like actually there's different ages I, and, and looking all this up it was kind of interesting one place talked about the contradictions in the bible where one place it says they started serving as a priest at 25 and another place at 20 and another place at 30 and so the bible contradicts itself well, it's, it was different types of service uh, depending on the age. And so the 30 to 50, it looked like that was maybe where they were uh, when they was going through the wilderness and they had to transport all this equipment. And so you needed a pretty healthy fellow for that. And so maybe that was a 30 to 50. And so maybe they could keep on serving a temple older than that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I don't know how old Zacharias and Elizabeth were. Just they were they were beyond childbearing. Uh, obviously, uh, normal childbearing age, but that's—I guess—that's neither here nor there. But it was—it was, it was um, kind of interesting to try to. It, but you know. So as soon as the angel got done talking to to Mary, it says she went to see her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country. Now Mary was from Nazareth. It says that. Um, it says here, uh, yeah, the angel Gabriel came to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And so to her, for her to go from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea, I wonder if she went through Samaria or if she went over east of the Jordan and down and over like the ones that didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans did or I don't know. But anyway, it's quite a little journey for a young, uh, just a little bit more than a girl, young lady, young, younger woman. And, um, but anyway, so she goes there, and uh, so now Elizabeth, she uh, she was uh, six months along, and uh, and so when Mary salutes Elizabeth and John the Baptist, being six months in the womb, it says he jumps for joy. Now women, they know more about that than we men do, uh, but. The, the the fact of that that salutation uh, it just made me think about how our influence on our children from little up um, you probably or maybe you haven't but I've read where there were people 
Well, I'm not sure. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't exaggerate. I know I read at least one where there was a somebody at, when they were an adult. They heard this song and they couldn't think where they heard it before. And then they realized that their mother had sang it to them when they were in the womb. And so, uh, but anyway, that that uh, that whole um, the 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 uh, yeah. And then um, and then Elizabeth said, "Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord." And I like the way that the NIV. The NIV said that it says, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I like that. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So we look at it as a great time of joy. But it was a time of uh, a lot of uncertainty in their lives. And then I was thinking about, okay, so that's Mary. And then I was thinking about Joseph. And how old was he? Well, we don't know how old he was, but he it's thought that he was probably older. And um, the Bible, uh, well, and if, if you look in Matthew 13, we know that they had at least six other children besides Jesus. Uh, because in... Uh, Verses 55 and 56 of Matthew 13, when he was went to Nazareth and was rejected there, it said, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters are then all with us? So if there were four boys and there were sisters, that means there were at least six. Um, another thing that's interesting in this verse is that it says, is not this the carpenter's son? It doesn't name Joseph. And so was he no longer living at this point? Um, we know that, well, we can be rather certain that he was not living at the crucifixion because um, Jesus told John, behold your mother, and he told Mary, behold your son. So Joseph was no longer on the scene to take care of Mary. So somewhere along the line, he passed away. Um, so that was just a little background there um, of some of those things. Now, looking at this uh, account here again uh, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, the birth of Jesus on this wise, in other words, this is the way it was. The writer's saying this is the way it was, that Mary was espoused or pledged to Joseph. And that pledging... Um, we think of it as an engagement. It was in that in that cultural setting. It was probably a little more a little a little more um, li legally there was a little more to it than engagement because they could only break that by divorce. Uh, even though the the man and the woman hadn't come together yet, they were they were to be keeping themselves pure. They were to learn, I suppose, to learn to know the, each other a little better over this time. But um, uh, it was they were they were um, she she was pledged to Joseph and says before they came together she was found a child of the Holy Ghost and so Joseph was a just man a just man 
And uh, we'll look at some of this in a little more detail. Um, so he didn't know what else to do but to, but to divorce her. Well, that was the mild way to do it. But he evidently wasn't a hasty fellow. So he was thinking on this. And the angel appeared. Well, the angel appeared to, to, to Zacharias. The angel appeared to Elizabeth. The angel appeared to Mary. So, you know, you have angels at work here. Um, and that was all good and well in that day, wasn't it? But today such things don't happen, do they? Or do they? Maybe um, maybe a lot of you get the uh, Christian Aid Ministries newsletter, but I think it was in the last one, uh, just this account, just so that we uh, don't write everything off that happened in the Bibles just for that time. Uh, it says, uh, this is not her real name, Muna, a believer in a restricted country, noticed a woman sitting on a nearby bench and felt prompted to offer a New Testament. She began a conversation with the woman, hoping to build up her courage to follow the Holy Spirit's nudging. Then the woman on the bench asked Muna, are you a Christian? Now, you notice this is in a restricted country. Shocked at this question, Muna listened as the woman poured out her heart. Last night I went to bed and a man in white came in a dream. He told me to come to this bench to wait for someone to bring something for me. I've been here all day and you're the first person to come and talk to me. What do you have for me? Sensing God's leading, Muna gave the woman a New Testament. God is still touching souls that hunger for his word, even in restricted countries. And um, actually our lesson today was on fearless witnessing. Um, God leads us too. We don't necessarily, not necessarily uh, speaking directly to us by an angel. That woman, not Muna, but the other woman, she had this nudging that she's supposed to say something to this woman. And so she followed through. So the angel appeared and explained the situation. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. So they didn't need any test to determine whether this could be a boy or a girl. And they didn't even have to figure out a name. And um, so then Matthew, of course, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew is, was, was particularly targeted to the Jews or written with them in mind. And so uh, it uh, refers to a lot of Old Testament prophecies. And... Uh, and then it refers to the prophecy, call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. And that, uh, I mean, us being raised Christians and, um, and just always having heard these, these, uh, these accounts, but uh, it's, uh, we, we can't really grasp God becoming man. Different civilizations, they have their mythology, the Roman and the Greek gods particularly, their gods and all the machinations and carrying on that they did. Uh, no comparison to the Christian God, but for for God, the creator of the universe, the infinite one, for him to become a man, 
it, it's uh, we, we 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 really can't grasp it. We can't grasp it. God to become a man, and so that's what Christmas is all about. I mean, that's what the G yeah. God becoming a man, first of all, becoming a, as a baby. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's just more than we can understand. So then Joseph um, did what the Lord told him to do. In verse 19, it says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. The uh, New King James says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Uh, Revised Standard Version said, Her husband Joseph, being a just man, willing, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, uh, going to those, some of those notes from the sermon notebook, it said, um, Because Jesus was coming into this world as a helpless infant, well, it says, because of the virgin birth, uh, there was not, not, not need for a man to be involved. But because Jesus was coming to this world as a helpless infinite, infant, and since God was sending his son into this world to live in poverty and not splendor, there would be a great need for someone to provide for the needs of this child. Therefore, God chose the man Joseph to be the earthly caretaker of his heavenly son, well, reading that, it got me thinking, Jesus coming as a babe. And I thought, there's a song about that, Jesus coming as a babe. And so, um, well, the song isn't just about that, but that it has those words in it. The title of the song, Jesus, came from me, and I asked Joe to lead it, but I had to make copies because it's uh, it's not in our songbook. So um, Trevor and uh, Mark are going to hand those copies out, and then Joe will lead us in that song. Joseph was a just man, it says, but God chose Joseph to be the foster father of Jesus. God had a mission for Joseph. Now, we'll never have a mission like that, but as I was thinking about this, the challenge was if I would have been there, if you would have been there, would God have picked you? Are you of the caliber that God could pick for a mission? In other words, God has a mission for each of us. Now, we can think in generalities. You've heard me say before that there are three verses that define the purpose of our existence. Of course, there's more, but just to boil it down to three, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may uh, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And Revelation 4, 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, so that's that's in general. But for each of us, God has a mission for each of us. So are we the kind of person that God can entrust 
with the mission that he has for us. That's a challenge. But to think back to that time, whether you're whether you're thinking in terms of Mary as a young lady or whether you think in terms of Joseph as the man, God had people he could choose for what he wanted to accomplish. Now, are you and I the person that God can choose for the purpose that he wants to accomplish? So, okay, let's sing this song. Uh, Joe, you want to lead that song? I, maybe you should come up front since it's a... Since it's a uh, might be a new song for us, I don't know. sermon notes a little bit more and uh, of course they do it right my sermons aren't organized near as well as these people that do these outlines so they had three main points the tragedy that marred his life 
the task that marked his life. And let's see, the third one was the testimony that measured his life. So it had to be T's and M's. And then under tragedy that marked his life, it was the tragedy of shocking discoveries, the tragedy of shattered dreams, and the tragedy of sorrowful decisions. So everything had to start with S and D. And then the second one, the task that marked his life was the task involved divine revelation, the task involved definite requirement, the task involved delightful realization. And the third point, the testimony that measured his life, a testimony of unconditional compliance, a testimony of unwavering commitment, a testimony of unfailing completion. So it was all uns and sees. So that's, uh, I suppose that's the right way to do an outline. Um, but the, uh, the tragedy that marred, marred his life, the tragedy of shocking discoveries. So he was engaged, betrothed, whatever, and he learns, discovers, that his bride-to-be is expecting. Did she tell him her side of the story? I don't know how much they were together, how it exactly worked in that culture. You would think she would have told him, but still, I mean, so it was shocking. The tragedy of shattered dreams. And here again, I don't know the, the writer of this outline, how much, uh, I mean, it's a lot of speculation, but he says that probably like most men, Joseph was looking forward to the day, uh, probably getting the house ready, the home ready, and, you know, everything they needed and so on. And, you know, his days and nights filled with all their dreams, all the dreams he had for her and them and family together. And then uh, he, he uh, said, I'll just read a little Some I'm going to skip most of this. But then like a cruel slap in the face came the news that shattered all his hopes and his dreams. Mary is expecting and Joseph is not the father. For a time it must have felt like his heart had been ripped from his chest. It must have hurt as every dream he had came crashing down around him. All of his plans, his hopes, and his dreams fell from his grasp as though they were grains of sand. It was a time of shattered dreams. The tragedy of sorrowful decisions. So then it talks about his dilemma. And we see a good bit of the character of Joseph here. He's trying to think through this. And... Of course, the Old Testament provision or provision maybe isn't the right word, but uh, called for stoning, although I wonder how much it actually was done. But the mildest thing he could have done was divorce, and he could even done that in a rather public way to shame her. And he's going to go about it as uh, discreetly as possible to protect her. 
That says a lot about his character. I mean, I, when someone hurts us deeply, how do we feel? How do we respond? Do we do all we can to protect them? Uh, reading a little bit here. What a true portrait of the harsh reality of life. We do our best to make our plans and get things all lined up like they ought to be. Then something happens and we see our hopes, our plans, and all our dreams come crashing down. When these things happen, it breaks our hearts because it isn't what we wanted or what we expected. And it looks to us as though it could be the worst thing possible. But like Joseph, we are blind to the fact that God is working behind the scenes. We might as well face it. If we're going to be used greatly of the Lord, there, there will be trials along the way. Uh, a couple things I didn't read here that I had written down. Let me just read them now. Joseph was a humble man who was more concerned about what God wanted than about what he himself wanted. He was a humble man chosen for a heavenly mission. As I read this passage, I can see a man who possesses certain characteristics that mark him as a special man. Joseph was the kind of man we should all strive to be. I'm almost sure that the Lord will not call you and me to go through what Joseph went through. However, I'm also sure that God wants to use your life and mine for his glory, just as he used Joseph. Joseph was a kind, compassionate, thoughtful person. Okay, the second point was the task that marked his life. And the points there, the task involved divine revelation. Um, so yes, the angel explained the situation to him. So he marries Mary. And even in that, we see his self-sacrifice there because Jesus was born of a virgin. And so most of us can think back to when we were first married and realize what that called for. Submitting himself to God's plan, purposes. Sometimes... It calls for us to give up things that are legitimate. And so he adopts Jesus. So Jesus was an adopted child. And it was Joseph's job and Mary's to raise this child, to care for him, to provide for him. The task that marked his life. Often, the way we look at life is like watching a parade go by while standing between two tall buildings. All you're able to see of the parade is that portion that is passing directly in front of you at any given moment. You have a memory of what has already passed, but you have no idea about what is yet to come. You have to wait until it gets to you. But if you were to climb on top of one of those tall buildings, you would be able to see the parade in its entirety. You could see the beginning, the middle, and the end all at the same time. There would be no surprises. 
That's the way we see life. All we can really see is the part that happens to be passing before our eyes at the present time. We have a blurred memory of that which has gone before, but we have no idea about what is coming our way. Our God, however, sets above it all. To him there are no surprises. He knows the end from the beginning. The best thing we can ever learn to do is to simply trust him to bring the best into our lives day by day. Even when our dreams are shattered and our hopes are dashed to pieces on the jagged rocks of reality, we need to trust the truth that our Father is still in control and he will take care of his children. And then the last point was the testimony that measured his life, a testimony of unconditional compliance. Soon as Joseph woke up, according to the way we read the scripture, he did what the angel had said. No hesitation. For, for, for all the embarrassment and so on that it meant to him, he did exactly what God told him to do. He took Mary, a testimony of unwavering commitment, he took Mary to his, to his home, into, he married her, and with all the negative that went along with that, and um, even in some of that, uh, as far as God's provision, you know, uh, them needing to go to Bethlehem over the time of the birth, but maybe that was a blessing in disguise because at least they weren't around where the, all the home folks would be talking. And uh, so then he followed through on all that God had said, had told him to do. And so I um, kind of cut that pretty short. Uh, I uh, wanted to read kind of as a conclusion uh, something that was here in this uh, daily Bible and NIV 365 daily readings. The divine nature of Jesus' birth is both wonderful and exciting, but the human side of the story is touching in and of itself. Although she is told in advance about the miraculous birth, Mary must surely feel the embarrassment of being thought unchaste by her family and friends. She must surely feel the weight of concern in the mind of Joseph. When the two of, when the two of them find themselves far from home at the time of delivery, they must both feel a terrible isolation and awesome expectation about this special child from God. Yet Mary's confident faith and Joseph's loving support are both rewarded with more celebration than any other human family has ever known at the arrival of a new child. And we have our baby showers and so on, but nothing like that. From lowly shepherds on the earth to the highest halls of heaven, the majesty of the occasion is heralded with songs of joy. And so I suppose we'll sing one more song of joy after prayer. Let's, let's kneel for prayer. Mm -hmm.